You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception, Perception, The Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception, Perception, The Show. All right, here we go. Uh, we got some more preseason games in the books today. We are going to be talking about Jalen Hyatt. Uh, you know, what we kind of sort of saw in limited action uh, versus the Panthers in his preseason game. We're going to talk about the Derek Carr profile, Matt Harmon. Uh, but you also dropped uh, one recently uh, on Hollywood Brown. But we'll start with you, pal. How are you feeling today? Uh, James, tell you the truth, I'm in hell. Uh, I, I'm in You're hell. You're in hell. I'm in hell. Uh, <laughs> I'm in. Why I'm in that? aggregator hell on Twitter. Uh, and this this uh, this pertains to this podcast because of the subject that it's about. Okay. Uh, so I did an interview with Justin Jefferson, uh, and you know I yeah. asked him his top five route runners. I gave him my top five route runners. We go. compared lists, right. and now all these yeah. freaking aggregator accounts on Twitter have picked it up. And you know they don't actually. Of course, you know how the game is. They don't actually share the video. They don't actually link no. uh, to the podcast that it came from no. or the YouTube video. No. No. But they do tag me in it. So really, the last twenty four hours <laughs> ongoing now has just been an onslaught uh. of the biggest goofballs on planet earth arguing with each other uh about route running in my mentions route running arguing with <laughs> with just the worst takes possible about it um and all you're just calling each other casual back i mean everybody everybody thinks it's the coolest thing in the world to be like you casual you you don't think you like, casual. i mean give me you a break casual. i i've you know it's 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 oh i'm God. in hell i can't even go on twitter can't go in my mentions because it's just it is a stone cold disaster uh, because of the because of the aggregators. So, um, I mean, I would take all these arrows. I would bear the cross if it had to. If they could just sure. one link to the show, but no, uh, no, no. It's it's just <laughs> no, just people with the James. Imagine imagine waking up in the morning and saying, you know, like you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to argue <laughs> about routes in Dove Kleinman's mentions. I mean, my God, get oh my a life, God. people. Get a life. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Uh, question for you. Um, I didn't see the clip. Who are your top five route runners in the NFL? My top five route runners were, uh, I actually said Stefan Diggs was number one, which I'll, okay. give, I'll give Justin credit. He took that pretty He took that pretty well. I put him, I put him okay. at number two behind Steph Diggs. I had Devontae Adams yeah. at number three. I went A.J. Yeah. Brown at number four. A uh, little Ooh, bit okay. of a, a fun pick, and then five. I went with the heart pick, and I took Tyler Lockett. I did say there you go that I de- I debated you know Cooper Cup. I debated Keenan Allen as the lifetime achievement uh-huh. guy. I debated Chris Olave and Devonta Smith as like the big risers. I debated the debated the brand pick with Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, uh, even Deontay Johnson <laughs> too. But I, I went with okay. Tyler Lockett. Right. Uh, under the uh, no Jamar. 
Very notably, no uh, Jamar Chase uh, in your top five. Yeah, um, Justin had him as the fifth player in his his list. He had him at number five okay. in among route running, uh, and and I, that's a good pick. I I would I like that pick a lot. Uh, Justin said he liked my list too, so shout out to him. A little validation there, there. said this is a pretty good list. Uh, I will say this too that that has been one. I mean, all the people calling each other casuals back and forth don't realize like Jamar Chase is actually a really great route runner. And hey, well, I mean, actually, yeah, just yeah, say yeah. this: if you go on Twitter and like you get in these you get in these little things and you uh, you call he's like, oh, Hunter Renfro's got to be on. You are actually a casual. <laughs> I mean, you are you are really truly a casual. <laughs> Hunter, who's caping up for Hunter Renfro? Oh, there are What's a lot on? of dudes out there that because you know they saw a couple routes on Twitter, is, like yeah, what? Yeah. His team didn't even play him Hunter last year. Renfro. <laughs> that's what I mean. What are you talking about? Oh my goodness, that's unbelievable. Um, okay, so there you go. I just oh, I just found Justin Jefferson's top five. Uh, he had himself at one. He had uh, Devonte Adams. He had uh, Keenan Allen. At three, which I think is a pretty good pick too. Although I think it maybe at this point that's a legacy. Yeah, pick. that's a lifetime. Uh, but you've got Stefan Diggs and Jam- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. I think that's fine. Uh, give the man his due. That's okay. Uh, so there you go. Um, anyways, why don't we get right into it here? Uh, neither uh, ne- neither man uh, picked Hollywood Brown for their top five, uh, and for due reason. Uh, but I will tell you this: if you go to the website uh, receptionperception.com and you go check out the profile that just dropped here on Hollywood Brown. I'm always surprised, I really am, by how much green is on this man's route chart. You know, uh, he's got a ton of green everywhere on his profile. I think that would surprise a lot of folks. I know that surprised me, Matt. Yeah, I actually think now that Tyler Lockett, he's uh, getting mentioned in, on my list as a top five route runner. I think he's pr- kind of, he's not all the way there. He still needs more recognition. Uh, I th- think he's probably still one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL, but I actually think Hollywood yeah. Brown kind of, deserves to be mentioned among the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Um, he's not, okay. he's not a number one. I'll get off the top here by saying that I don't think he is a, he's a number one type okay. of receiver, but yeah. I still think he's probably one of the more underrated guys. And what's really, you, you always notice this. He's got a ton of green on his route tree. I actually came, think mm-hmm. he came in the league as like a pretty refined player. Uh, you know, obviously he's cousins with Antonio Brown, um, Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, famously, you know, a crazy person, but also famously a great route runner, <laughs> a great technician. Yes. And I actually have, I got a chance right. to talk to Marquise before the draft and like, you kind of went into detail about how much he really bounced back then bounced ideas off of his cousin, Antonio Brown and, and mm. really, that relationship went into a lot of the technical refinement in his game. But I think you look at Marquise Brown's reception perception, all four years of his career, he's been over 80% success rate versus zone coverage. He's gotten as high as 85.4%. Last year is at 82.1%, which was 11th best among the players sampled from the 2022 NFL season. And that's important because if you look at him throughout his career, the last three years, he's faced zone coverage on 64.5, 68.1, and 65.3% of his sampled routes. Some of that is because he, you know, plays with mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Lamar Jackson, yeah. mobile quarterback. Kyler Murray, mobile quarterback. Um, but sure. he's also just a guy, again, that because he faces all that zone coverage, and, and he also plays a lot off the line of scrimmage. He's primarily like a flanker and sometimes moves into the slot. That's his best role. Uh, and I know we'll expand on that more in a second, but because of that role, he yeah. faces a lot of zone coverage, and he's actually pr- probably one of the more underrated zone beaters in the NFL right now. 
which is interesting. Um, you know, with that, all that speed, you would think, okay, can this guy play? And, and, and again, not just the speed, Matt, but where he lines up, he generally lines up as an outside wide receiver. I hear what you're saying. You, you'd like to see him a little off the line and, and mixing into the slot as well. But I think primarily people view him as a guy that plays outside. Um, I think he's a, uh, to me, I think he, from a construction standpoint, like a team construction standpoint, he would be ideal as your number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, you you want a guy that can that can fly a little bit, playing outside, doing those different type of things. Um, it's his man score that surprises me, though, right? And again, you marry this with, and I know you say it all the time. Don't look at just the colors, man. Like you got to like, get some of the context in there too. But again, going back to the route tree, you do see a lot of green on his routes. But he's a 27th percentile score versus man. And again, so how do you kind of juxtapose those two things together? And, and that's where my mind gets kind of twisted into a little bit of a pretzel when it comes to Hollywood Brown. Yeah, well, again, it comes back to the fact that he's running against so much zone coverage. He, it's That's going to boost the averages overall when he's the 11th best player last year against zone coverage. Uh, but he's not that great against man coverage, but he's running 65.3% right. of his routes against zone coverage. So if the way to boil it down simply is more of his routes divorced of coverage were good than bad. Right. But then you put the context (laughs) to it with the man coverage stuff. And I think that's why you've seen sort of offenses where he has been the number one guy sort of stall out. Um, I think about Mm -hmm. the 2019, uh, no, excuse me, 2020 Ravens offense. They, he was the number one outside guy and that was his worst season from, or well, it wasn't his worst season, but it was a slower season for him. It was the slowest season from a success rate for zone standpoint. Um, Mm -hmm. I, and, and really it's to me, he's just a guy that, you know, I, I think again, he's the consummate flanker receiver. You know, those guys are going to run against zone coverage more often than man coverage. Generally, the more you line up off the line of scrimmage, the more you're going to be that flanker receiver, uh, the more you're going to run against zone coverage. I think he makes the most sense in that role. So the press man stuff is, is what keeps him from being, and look, size isn't everything, but he is a small guy and he's a, he's a small guy from a weight perspective and he doesn't have the same frame you know, as a guy like uh, Devonte Smith, who has the long arms and has more of like a catch radius overall, and he's just a better technician as well. So I think that's why he kind of struggles against man coverage, just simply or press coverage, simply because of the size. But the fact that he's so good against zone does sort of offset that. Uh, I want to expand a little bit on his uh, man scores too. It's been progressively falling since 2019, uh, 73.6% success rate versus man in 2019, then 68%, then back-to-back years now of 62.6% success rate versus man. And again, that score at around 63% uh, clocks in at the 27th percentile uh, versus man coverage. You know, when you look at that... I think it it really does explain, boy, it's hard. It would be very difficult to build your passing attack around a guy like Hollywood Brown as your true, like, number one receiver, even though from a speed perspective, um, he has some traits, I think, that are are certainly appetizing for a number one, but he just doesn't quite get there uh, in terms of some of the other benchmarks. Uh, yeah, totally agree. And I think, he, again, that's why he's not really like a true one. And even last year, he was producing really well for uh, Cardinals offense without DeAndre Hopkins, right? The targets and the and some of the production from right. that stretch was really good. But 
I, I think, man, and we really never got to see it, right? Because when Hopkins got back, like Brown had that de- was dealing with a foot injury. That is one thing to note with him is that he was dealing sort of with he, another foot injury. Yeah, this has been a problem for right, him chronic. before. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But in the early part of the year, like you look at his alignment data and reception perception on the like on the surface, right? Uh, 61.7% snaps outside uh, was majority on the line, 56%. But those numbers were really inflated by the four games that I sampled without Hopkins to start the year when mm. Brown was like a pure boundary receiver. He was the top guy on the team and he was running mostly, I wouldn't say as like a true X because Cliff Kingsbury's offense is kind of weird from that standpoint, but he was a pure <laughs> boundary yeah. receiver and on the line of scrimmage. And then you look at when Hopkins got back, even with Hopkins playing a little bit more in the slot than than normal under Cliff mm-hmm. Kingsbury, he was right. still primarily outside and on the line of scrimmage, uh, and, and that really actually helped Hollywood Brown be more in this like pre-snap motion role, be more uh, off the line of scrimmage, which again, I think, thinking about him as a complimentary receiver. Now, the thing is, he's probably not going to be a complimentary receiver on this Cardinals offense, right? Because... Uh, no. No. And, and really, he's actually, from a fantasy angle, I really considered putting him in the uh, 10 receivers ranked above consensus uh, article hmm. because I actually do... I think I have him ranked five spots ahead of consensus right now, but because he didn't, I didn't have the profile done up, I didn't want to put him in the article, but I do think he would be a guy that... I'm willing to take look, and it's I have no idea what the Cardinals' offense looks right now, right? Because of the quarterback situation, and that yeah. that's a big concern. But he's probably going to be the clear cut top target getter on this team. But there's a rookie here that matters a lot in terms of Michael Wilson. Can Michael, I agree? Right. We we've talked about mm. Michael Wilson on the podcast before, we have. We but have. I think he matters a lot. Like if he can be the X receiver on this offense and let Hollywood Brown in a more traditional NFL offense too. By the way. Um, I think that that's going to help Hollywood Brown a lot be that flanker receiver because we know they're not they're not putting and they're not doing it in the preseason they're not putting Rondell Moore out there in two receiver sets like they are not they are not going to have I love how that was a question too in fantasy circles at one point like is Rondell Moore sure. going to play in two receiver sets Yeah they're definitely going to have Marquise Brown be the X receiver and Rondell Moore the flanker Sure those guys maybe combined way as much as me okay uh, no, not that not that much uh, no nah, I'm being facetious there but those guys are those guys are small so that's not going to work so right, yes if, if Michael small. Wilson can emerge as the X that's going to allow Hollywood Brown to play in a comfortable role for him this year yeah and Michael Wilson as we've kind of you know highlighted on this program it's he's again his collegiate profile he's a tough customer you yeah. know uh, this is a guy that's going to fight right is he the best wide receiver out probably not that's okay but you need a little beef out there every now and again I mean you talk about mixing up the run pass options and stuff like that you know you want a little guy out there kind of being able to block and do those kind of different things too and I think Michael Wilson is certainly um, a tough player you know I think that is 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 no doubt part of his profile uh, as a wide receiver. And so we'll see. We'll see what he can do as a rookie. Rondale Moore, another wide receiver they've got on roster. Greg Dorch, I thought I thought Greg Dorch from the slot last year uh, showed some signs too, you know. Uh, again, is he would you ideally have him as, you know, a, a starting slot guy? I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but uh, but I tell you there were there were games last year where I said, "Hey, Greg Dorch, Random ass name, Greg Dorch, actually put together a few plays here. Yeah, Greg Dorch, another small guy. They bring in Zach Pascal, who, of course, played with the Eagles last year. New head coach Jonathan Gannon came from the Eagles. He was a defensive coordinator, so that makes sense from a connective tissue, maybe set the culture type guy. Zach Pascal, another one of ODU's finest, a great blocking receiver. So 
Uh, okay. That, that is probably a guy who's probably more of a another player who should be a big slot flanker type. But uh, I would thought there was a chance if there was like some veteran deference that you know Michael Wilson might play behind Zach Pascal. But it looks like Michael Wilson's going to run out there as a top X receiver. And, yeah, and, like I think that right. makes him the deepest of deep sleepers. The guy's like the 260th overall totally player agree. off the board in fantasy right now. But um, again, I think Marquise Brown is going to have to be the top target getter for this team. Ideally, you want him as a two. We don't even really know who's going to be throwing footballs for the majority of the Arizona Cardinals season. Nope. So that's a rather nope. large question. But um, I don't know. At first, One I thought their- there was like a 0% chance that Kyler Murray plays this year. Now I think there might be more of like a – yeah, like he probably plays at some point this year. And when Kyler's out there, I think him and uh, Brown dating back to college have had really good chemistry. And I think that this sort of makes – we'll see how teams defend Kyler Murray coming off of an a, a late-season ACL tear last year. But if they're still going to run a lot of those zone coverages against this team, we know that Marquise Brown can can get open on those plays. You know, I was just thinking about this because we talk about the the height and size and everything for these uh, these players on the Arizona Cardinals. Compare and contrast that with the Colts. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't ask for two more different, like you know, body you know style types when we're talking about football construction. Good lord! Uh, I mean, from the quarterback down, Anthony Richardson versus Kyler Murray. Then you look at all the wide receivers. They got a bunch of six five dudes just running around. <laughs> How about the Chargers too? Doing? They have like hulking oh, wide receivers, sure. a massive quarterback, and and yeah, no, the the Cardinals are just they're a tiny team. They're a pretty small team. Uh, one of their best playmakers, Zach Ertz, is uh, going to his age thirty three season towards ACL MCL in mid November. When is he going to be around? Uh, we're not sure. Trey McBride will step in, uh, be a starting tight end, pass catcher for them. Uh, in this Arizona Cardinals offense. Uh, I want to just talk very briefly about uh, this coaching staff. You, you brought it up, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, Drew Petzing is their offensive coordinator, and Nick Rollis is their defensive coordinator. Matt, I mean, we just got done talking about this with Denver. We just saw how much of an absolute train wreck it was in Denver. The guy didn't even last one season. And they're going back to a similar style of game plan here uh, from a coaching experience angle in Arizona. I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, Rollis is their DC. This dude graduated from college seven years ago. <laughs> um, Drew really? Petzig and Nick Rollis. Yes. Seven years ago, this guy graduated college. Uh, Drew Petzig and, and Nick Rollis, their, their coordinators have zero, zero coordinator experience their head coach obviously has zero head coaching experience which you know he he was a defensive coordinator for philadelphia that was fine i guess but again i'm always worried about these guys that have built their reputation off of off of teams that are just nasty you know i I mean just from a talent uh, talent standpoint philadelphia's defense is disgusting like they're good you know what i mean like how much of that is jonathan gannon i don't know so i don't know man like denver just got done with this and and arizona's going right back to it i i just i guess i just don't get it nick rollis is younger than me that's crazy that's crazy that's crazy that's insane yeah he's 30 years old he was born in 1993 um that's wild anyways yikes man i'm getting old i guess but uh no i mean look i I think the age (laughs) is one thing but certainly I think where they brought in Jonathan Gannon and who knows if it's right or wrong, whether it works or not, but I think their justification of it was 
this is a culture guy. I don't think they're bringing him in mm-hmm. because of, oh, what he did with the Eagles defense or the schematics of it or anything like that. I think, uh, number one, Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ossenfort, uh, who's hired as the GM, is they have a relationship. Uh, there there was a connective tissue there, so that's part of it. They bring him in as the culture guy, and uh, this is a culture that did need to be reset. I mean, Steve Keim has been, had been there forever, and, and like right. they were a consistent promote from within. It had been kind of the same ideas recycled around the Arizona Cardinals building. So I get them at least saying we need a fresh start. I get them at least saying like we need something different. And uh, Monty and Jonathan Gannon are going to be on the same page about setting kind of a more of a hard-nosed culture than what we had mm-hmm. with Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime and even Steve Kime right. being back for a long time before that. So I understand they need a breath of fresh air. The Drew Petzing thing I do think is interesting. Again, just to get back to more of a traditional NFL thing because, look, I mean, the Cleveland offense is not – I mean, Kevin Stefanski has been really interesting throughout his NFL career because he is um, – he he's been a guy that like takes in a lot of different ideas. He's pretty tip. He's kind yeah. of like Shanahan ish heavy, like play action, wide zone stuff like that. But he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily come off of that coaching tree. He just really glommed onto it and and liked it a lot. And then was uh, under Gary Kubiak for a while uh, in yeah. Minnesota, which is kind of how it. Then he really got onto it more there. Yep. Um, I, I I think that there's a chance that works out pretty well. Like the, bringing in that style of offense works well with this personnel from like a receiver group. And again, if they're just more traditional, like the Cliff Kingsbury thing, they just never, it just never really worked. It was so horizontal. It was like they had these guys. And I think like Marquise Brown and Rondale Moore are probably better like working horizontal than they are necessarily down the field. But I also thought Kyler Murray, right. like Kyler Murray would un uncork five to 10 deep balls a year where it's like, why are we getting this guy pushing the ball downfield more? Like, why are we kind of overemphasizing on the screen game? The horizontal raid is what a few people called it. Uh, I I think like Kyler Murray, if he's ever, if he's playing him for this team on the long term and he is signing a long-term contract, but he's playing with his team in the long term, like having him drop back boot out and like chuck it down the field on play action I think that's a lot more intriguing theoretically than uh, what we've seen the last few years. Ah, that's interesting that you would say that. I'm not sure. He has such limited experience turning his back to the defense. Um, I wonder how he'll handle that, you know? And again, now there, there is something to say about, Hey, you're going to cut the field in half, Mm -hmm. right? You can go boot, boot action to the outside. You cut the field in half. You take away some of his reads and just, you know, you, you, you can, you can get a quick game off of, off of play action, um, as well. But, I don't, I, I'm just I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about culture. Uh, is Kyler Murray a culture guy? I don't know. Uh, I think Arizona is yeah. in a. I think they're in a world of hurt for 2023, possibly in 2024. Uh, they might be ex- exploring to just blow up the entire you know roster uh, starting next. How year. many defensive I, I, I starters can bad. you name on the Arizona Cardinals right now? How many defensive starters can you name that are good? None. Zero. I, I think it's going to be. <laughs> I mean, Buda Baker's I mean, really. a pretty good player. Buda Baker's okay, a pretty fine. good player. The only all other right, starter right, I think right, that Baker. maybe twenty five percent of NFL fans could really name is like Zayvon Collins, who they're moving to kind of a different position where he was an off ball linebacker, and now he's going to be like rushing the right. passer. But other than that, like you look at that Cardinals depth chart right now on from a defense standpoint. Hey, there's what, nobody. 
they would have they have all the they have some of these like veteran dudes, uh, you know, on on offense. Whether it's Zach Ertz who you mentioned or James Conner is still kicking around there, so yeah. they're kind of still like mm-hmm. a sneaky old offense. Uh, even even though some of the older guys like DeAndre Hopkins and AJ freaking Green have moved on, uh, and and they've got those small mighty mice receiver. But then yeah, it's like you look at the 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 depth chart on defense, and it's just. It's just oh, it's pretty horrendous. Rough. So yeah, oh, it's horrendous. They could, they, they're definitely in a world of hurt this year. That's for sure. I, they don't. I just don't think they even have anybody who's you know intriguing. I, I'd be surprised if they don't move on from Buda Baker. Yeah, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I, I mean they should. Uh, he he plays safety. They could get a pretty good return on him. You know, get some draft picks back. I don't know. Anyways, we're getting down the weeds here on the Cardinals, who I think are just going to be absolutely horrendous um, in 2023. I don't. I think I, I think I read this right. Uh, they're not favored to win a single game. That is correct. Uh, in in the NFL in their upcoming schedule, so that should be interesting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, listen, um, Hollywood Brown is a guy that's got some traits that, you know, you would say, okay, he can play outside, uh, but probably be best suited to be your number two. When you use those words in that terminology, it, it feels a lot like Jalen Hyatt there for the Giants. He's got some traits, uh, certainly that are intriguing, but even in this preseason right now, the Giants don't seem to be fully committed to Jalen Hyatt as a starter. Uh, they played against the Panthers. He ran 13 routes, most of them, again, not with the ones. He saw five targets, four grabs for 35 yards and a touchdown. I don't know, Matt. Uh, Jalen Hyatt from the early preseason stuff, is there anything that you can latch on to and say, mm, okay, this is interesting, or, or yeah, you know, I saw this, saw this in his collegiate profile, and he's basically exhibiting the same stuff. Well, that touchdown that he had looked an awful lot like what he would do at uh, yes. at Tennessee, right? Where and you know it's it's the preseason; it's still not real NFL defenses necessarily. But you know he's right. a guy who would line up in the slot primarily, mm-hmm. and he would just rip teams up the seam. He would rip teams, you know, on those like core. Uh, excuse me. He would rip teams on those like post and corner routes. He would rip teams on nine mm-hmm. routes up the middle. Just kind of almost looked like he was uncovered, which is exactly what his touchdown rate looked like. But it was. Yeah. I think based on the preseason, um, these. Giants receivers are going to rotate a ton. Uh, 
Uh, like, yeah. Darius Slayton had the highest route participation according to Dwayne McFarland with 80% uh, with Daniel Jones. Isaiah Hodgins was at 70%. You know, Paris Campbell, he gets in the mix at, at, at 60%. Jalen Hyatt gets there at 30%. They're obviously not even going to play a guy like Sterling Shepard in the preseason. Um, right. Wandale Robinson's probably not going to play early in the season. I think these guys are going to rotate a ton. I don't think there's anybody out yep. there. Like, even Darius Slayton at 80%. That's still pretty low for a number one receiver, and he, you know, between him and Hodgins at eighty percent um, and and seventy percent, it's just going to be tough for any of these guys to make a major impact. Other than Darren Waller, you know, he gets like forty four percent of the targets uh, with Daniel Jones <laughs> right, week exactly. two. I think he's going to be a target <laughs> yep. monster as long as he stays healthy. But I do for think sure. Jalen Hyatt just being out there is impactful, and like. Jalen Hyatt as a first round pick back in the draft when he was being discussed like at that level, I was like, no, you can't, you can't do that because he's just such an incomplete player. But as a right. third round pick for the Giants and as a guy that they're going to sprinkle in as a rookie while he figures out how to play in a real NFL offense, that's great. I mean, that's a great pick for the Giants. You have to love taking him there because he does have truly like lid lifting speed he has even when yep. he's out there teams are gonna have to be like okay where is number 84 i love by the way he's wearing 84 what a professional not one of these yeah. single digit <laughs> nonsense things like that Wait, wearing, wearing a number in the 80s like a big boy they're gonna be like where is number 84 Wait, hold on hold on let's back, let's back up here what, what, what are we going back to the 90s where you, yes. know, you gotta be you gotta be a receiver wearing the 80s you know like des bryant wearing the 88s and yes stuff? michael irvin wearing the 80s Steve Smith, number 89, uh, Randy Moss, 81, uh, you know, you, I mean, he was 84 times too. Um, just, yeah, yeah totally. I got to be in the eighties. Okay. I love the receiver right. 80 numbers. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's classic. It's clean. Okay. The, the teens were fine. Uh, I mean now, but it's like, you got guys, I mean, you got Darren Waller out there wearing 12 as a tight end. Give me a break. Like tight end. Yeah. I don't know in the what 80s. Yeah. yeah. So I agree are, with that. That okay, that that I agree with. But I, I, I like the teens. I like I actually like the single digits too. I kind of like you know. I kind of like seeing ones rolling around fine. out there. No, is that a bridge too far? I mean, I don't know. I don't like right. I don't like Sky Moore wearing number twenty four. <laughs> I mean, Jadavian Clowney is wearing twenty four as a pass rusher for the Ravens right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, for what right. he does, rushing passer is an edge defender for the Ravens. It's too far. Some of this jersey number stuff is too okay. far. Okay. Uh, even the okay. zero, I'm kind of I'm kind of hit or miss on. All right, so Jalen Hyatt rocking the 84, running out there, running around uh, for the Giants against the Panthers. Um, he did catch that again, a 33 yarder uh, for a score. Although, again, you know the the Panthers got caught here, right? Uh, it was Hyatt in motion, moving into the slot, and then it was one on one with the safety on the back end. I mean, he's going to win that battle every single, and it's a, probably a backup safety at that. So um, he's going to win that battle every single time. Um, the play right before that, Matt, I don't know if you saw this horrendous drop, horrendous yeah. drop, uh, could have picked up an extra 20 yards right there. I, I think he has looked at least from that game against the Panthers again, 13 routes run. I go through his, you know, his routes there. I, I, he looks so much better against zone than he does, uh, against man coverage and especially against press coverage. Forget about it. I don't think he just doesn't have that technique right now, uh, to get off of press, but certainly I thought he looked a lot better against zone then man is that does that jive well with what you saw uh, at Tennessee well press coverage for sure gave him trouble 18th percentile success rate versus press coverage um, 
I actually yeah. thought he was better against man coverage than zone coverage. A uh, 42nd percentile success rate versus man coverage in college, you know, 68%. It's not a terrible number. Uh, the zone mm-hmm. number was really low. Uh, but some of that is the route combinations for uh, for that offense, and and overall, like I think he still needs. You know, I was actually talking with um, with uh, Austin Eckler about this this morning about maybe receivers are actually better in the like as rookies coming in if they like if they can beat man coverage it, because it's a little bit more samey, right? Where okay, mm-hmm. I, it's not yeah. the same thing. It's obviously quality of of defense is going to be a whole other part of it, but you can at least sit there and say, hey. I know how to. I'm gonna. I'm. This guy's manned up on me. I gotta just beat the man, right? Whereas uh, yeah, zone right, coverage, like right. we talk about this all the time, especially with the damn Tennessee offense and the spacing that they created, which is just you can't replicate in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, some of that zone right. coverage stuff is gonna be very, very different. Uh, you know, the, just where do you sit down? Where do you settle? So it might be actually better for these rookie receivers if they have an understanding for how to beat man coverage, and, and if they need to take time. Like I think Jalen Hyatt does. Like I think even Quinton Johnson, who plays for the Chargers, obviously those mm-hmm. guys might take a little bit more extra time to get ready because they're not used to beating. They weren't even great zone beaters in college, and now they're, right. the spacing is even more difficult. But I do think overall, like from a vertical standpoint, the plays where Hyatt is going to be successful is splitting safeties, is doing those corner routes from the slot like we saw in the preseason against like deeper zone coverage, softer zone coverage. Because he really can fly, man. He's he's obviously yeah. fast. Even if his time For speed, sure. like 40-yard dash, whatever, wasn't great, he can obviously fly. But yeah, some of the nuances, some of the technique in his route running absolutely has to be refined. Absolutely has to get better. There's no question about that. And you can see in the preseason, you can definitely see it at college. All right. So it might be a slow start here uh, from a statistical standpoint for Jalen Hyatt. Not not the case for Chris Olave and the Saints. Um, They've got a new quarterback in town, obviously, in Derek Carr. I haven't seen him really toss it around quite yet, but that's okay. Um, We did a a profile on him, a quarterback profile. And again, maybe you're, you're new to the site. You're saying, wait a second now. Uh, reception perception i thought these boys do uh wide receivers and it's, yeah yeah it's for, for sure it's the best in the business in regards to the wide receivers but this offseason we added quarterback charting um as well matt i know you've been kind of digging into this uh this quarterback stuff too just because you want to see how it matches up and meshes well uh with all your wide receiver stuff and 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 it's most interesting i think for situations like this right where you've got a new quarterback in a new offense, what does he do well? What doesn't he do well? And how is that going to uh, pair, uh, you know, with some of the the pass catchers on that team? Derek Carr in New Orleans. How do you see it working out with Chris Olave? Yeah, I love Derek's work. Uh, Derek Klassen doing the quarterback charting for us uh, this yep. year. And I mean, I think the uh, <laughs> he wrote it best at the top of his profile where he said his Derek Carr has spent the better part of the decade oscillating between QB ten and QB twenty in the NFL. And that makes a ton of sense, right? That has just been the Derek Carr experience. He's really never been better than 10. He's never been terrible, but he's been somewhere between 10 and 20 uh, all throughout the course of his career. Um, I do think one thing that Derek noted is that he's always been very good in the short to intermediate game, especially the short Mm -hmm. game, right? He said that his uh, one to 10 yard success rate was among some of the elites in the NFL. And I think that's always been a thing with Derek Carr, like his ability to work a quick strike passing game has always been pretty good. I think you see last year, 
he, he worked really well with Devontae Adams on some of those and, and you know route percentage wise those were some of his highest thrown routes relative to the NFL average according to Derek was like post routes and dig routes those are going to be Chris Olave routes like he will try when Derek Carr sits in the pocket it doesn't have that kind of quick clock like the quick internal clock rolling when the pressure comes right. in to to quickly get to that check down it is pretty hilarious that that was his most successful uh, route thrown was the checkdown <laughs> route that that'll definitely give you a laugh there yeah, for Derek's profile. For sure. But for sure, when he sits there and can just sit in the pocket and like let that dig route develop against man coverage, let the backside dig, let the let the post route develop. He can throw a pretty good downfield pass. I do think that's going to be a really good fit with Chris Olave as long as the offensive line holds up there. Yeah, he was below Derek Carr was below league average when it came to thrown against man coverage. That was actually pretty solid against zone coverage as well. Um, where he struggled last year, Matt, was on these deeper routes. You know, 36.4% success rate on the nine, 37.5% success rate on the corner, and about league average uh, on the post at 50%. Uh, but his nine and corner certainly well below average. Some of the worst marks we've seen in the NFL uh, in 2022. Boy, that's not great because you'd like to see that kind of that number move up, um, especially when you're talking about working with Chris Olave. That number surprised me, Matt, just because, again, look, I know these quarterback charting stats, they're supposed to be independent of surrounding talent. And to a degree, they are. But he is throwing to Devontae Adams, and you'd like to see that number be a bit higher than it was in 2022. Yeah, I I get that. Um, I think some of it is just that internal clock and maybe not letting things totally develop, um, right? Like I, I think Derek noted, Derek Klassen noted of Derek Carr that instead of firing deep shots and showing up arm talent, he regularly tries too hard to guide his deep throws to the perfect spot, which can result in underthrows. I think that makes sense. I, I think, though, the big stuff for me with, with Chris Olave, you know, I think they kind of overused him as a vertical receiver last year. And people in fantasy, mm. you know, we always want the air yards. They always want uh, those yeah, oh deep yeah. targets. Oh yeah. I, I totally get that. But what you see out of Chris Olave is that he's not like a – I mean, he is a great vertical receiver. There's no question, right? Like he can rip it on nine routes, post routes, corner routes, all that stuff. Those are very successful routes for Chris Olave. But – like I want Derek Carr working really well with him short and inter intermediate and stuff like that, where I think Derek Carr can be pretty good. Like, again, you see, he's probably league average, right? But league average can go a long way for some of these. Like we've seen quarterbacks. I think Chris Olave dragged Andy Dalton to like league average quarterback last year. Um, so can he take a <laughs> league average quarterback and drag him to yeah. maybe good? I think that's certainly possible yeah. for this year. Like for me, I, again, I'm not – I don't want – Chris Olave running a bunch of you know low percentage vertical routes. You look at Chris Olave's right. route tree from his rookie season in reception perception, 7.4% of his routes were slants. 5.2% of his routes were flats, like 1.5 wow. comebacks. Wow. Almost no wow. screens. Uh you know really the short routes is just almost non-existent, which makes the fact that he has the 75.8% success rate versus man and 83rd percentile success rate versus press even more impressive yeah, that he is right, running right, all those right. downfield routes. Like we need more stuff in that short to intermediate area. Like I don't care if Derek Carr is maybe not going to take the most advantage of him as a downfield player. Like having him be more of an efficient, true number one receiver, which I think he absolutely is and can be going forward. That's more important to me in the Derek Carr profile. Not so much like, okay, he might not be the best vertical. Like people want Jameis Winston. 
no, we don't want Jameis Winston like uncorking random, like randomly three good deep balls, um, you know, every other week or something. Like, no, we want something a little more consistent here. I think Derek Carr can bring some of that consistency. Uh, isn't it interesting? Uh, I, I thought Jameis Winston got um, it's his his career's been such a roller coaster. It's like his play, honestly. But it's like he went from like highly touted from Florida State, and then and then he was a bust, and then it's like no, now we got to free Jameis Winston, and then they he uncorks a couple decent balls in the preseason all of a sudden Jam- it's like oh we got to get Jameis Winston in Jameis Winston's better than Derek Carr and it's like, I've never been a James guy dude I've just wow never, yeah wow and he's I don't I don't love these like boom even from his like fl- even from his Florida State days his oh, Florida mean, State days this guy was fire I mean come on he was a um, he was amazing I mean he what was he drafted in 2015 that's like my, that's the very beginning of my professional career okay I don't I don't okay stand, <laughs> I don't stand by any of those Fair takes <laughs> <laughs> fair that's fair man no he was fire though coming out of college man i love james winston i just didn't realize like how erratic he was going to be I, I thought they could fix that uh to be honest with you we've seen a lot of young bucks come into the league and, and they fix that you know like josh allen for example um although again the terrible example because he's just he's a one of one but uh, but you know what i'm saying you know you, you fix some of yeah. that you know radical play uh and i thought they were going to be able to do that with Jameis winston and they have not uh and they have not so um yeah james winston what an interesting career uh he has had it's been very very up and down and um and his and then and, and again just from a rooting interest like he had like his detractors and, and then now he's got his supporters I mean, I, I saw him on multiple places. People saying, you know, uh, they didn't need to get Derek Carr because they already had Jameis Winston in the fold, and they were they should be playing him. They should be starting him right now. <laughs> I'm like, man, have we not seen this man play? What are we talking about here? I don't get it. I, yeah. don't get it. I also, by the way, by the way, I also don't understand Jameis Winston coming back to the Saints. Like, what are we doing here? You know, like clearly they don't like you enough. To make you the starter, why are we coming back to the Saints? I mean, go sign somewhere else. Get a chance, you know. Have a, if you really want to be a starter in this league, uh, take a chance somewhere else. I don't get it. He just wanted to hang out. He likes hanging out in New Orleans. I get it. It's a fun town. I guess so. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Um, all right, so there you go, man. Uh, a little bit of a shorter show today. That's all right. Oh, you know what? Actually, before we go... I'd be remiss in not talking about, um, obviously, we talked about Chris Olave. Rashid Shahid, I think, um, is an interesting sleeper here. But we were, uh, I want to talk a little bit uh, about A.T. Perry, Matt. Uh, did you get any takeaways here from uh, the rookie A.T. Perry in New Orleans? Yeah, A.T. Perry, a perfect Jameis Winston preseason receiver, by the way. Uh, you know, big 100%, 100%. guy. Uh, he, he, he's got that long catch radius. 
A.T. Perry's had a really nice preseason, and man, I I was surprised he was a sixth round pick. Uh, I was surprised he fell all that way, and and I've heard some people like whisper character stuff, but uh, other people speak glowingly of of character stuff. Like, I think it's more of like a I think not character like he's a bad guy, but like work ethic type thing uh, might mm-hmm. might have been what I've heard people say of why he why he fell. But then again, uh, I've heard other people speak glowingly from a work ethic per- perspective. Mm. So um, you know maybe like mixed messages there. I just think from an on the field uh, perspective. Yeah, I think he played at really well as that like big X receiver uh, at, at Wake Forest. You know, kind of a goofy offense there at Wake Forest, but um, again, he was on the line of scrimmage a ton. Ninety-seven point two percent of his sampled snaps were on the line of scrimmage. He was outside on ninety-three point three percent. You know, and you kind of look at the Saints' offense, and I really think they sort of need a player in that role because um, Chris Olave is definitely more of in that like Stefan Diggs, Calvin. Rid- I mean, Stefan Diggs like flanker type uh, axis of receiver. I think he's probably not okay. going to be your. He could play at X for sure, but I think moving him around the field gives him a little bit more um, ability to dictate matchups, especially if you do want him running those vertical routes. And then at At Perry though that big body, sixty eight point seven percent success rate versus man, seventy point seven percent success rate versus press. Um, I think he moves really well at that size, sort of in like a Nico yeah. Collins type of way. Uh, who you know, I'm like, ooh, Nico Collins, so so, so uh, exciting of your praise there to, to compare to Nico <laughs> Collins. But you know, this is a guy that, that has played in the at the NFL level, and it's funny. Um, I don't yeah. know, man. I I think you know he, he definitely strikes me as a guy. Uh, that you would like big X receiver type uh, can maybe oh, be sure. on that oh, uh, sure. that axis of players. So um, I yeah. think also too when you look at his profile, really good success rate on slants, on curls, on post routes, some of those like intermediate and uh, even shorter, and, and then obviously deeper in breaking routes. I don't know, man. I think might there might be something here with At Perry. He's a six round pick. I'm not saying he's gonna have a big time rookie or anything, but maybe somebody to watch if. If Michael Thomas doesn't stay healthy, right, and they have to play another deeper receiver, uh, yeah, I would be surprised if Michael Thomas was. I, at this point, we're surprised if he is healthy. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, but no, you're right, 100 percent right. I, I like At Perry a lot. You know, I, I won't go so far as to say I love the guy. I think there's he's a little bit. He's not as fluid as you'd like to see, uh, but he ran a four four seven at two hundred pounds, and uh, you know he's six three. That's pretty good. I was really impressed by a thirty five inch vertical jump is fine, uh, but his eleven foot uh, eleven foot broad jump I thought was oh that's that's interesting. Again, indicative of some short area burst, um, and I think we saw a little bit of that uh, on the tape when, we, when you throw on his Wake Forest stuff. Um, you. you- <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I love this. First of all, from the great Lance Zero line, draft projection round three, which to your point, surprised that he fell all the way to the sixth round. You know who his NFL comp was? was Devontae Parker. To AT pair? De- Devontae yeah. Parker. Yeah, Let's I go. I, re- I remember reading that one. Um, and hey, look, if, if AT Perry is a six round pick and he turns into Devontae yeah. Parker, I mean, I can't, I can't believe another Devontae Parker ref on the pod. Um, but he, yes. <laughs> that would go. be a huge win for the Saints if he turned into even like a light version of Devontae Parker, who's by oh no means God. a superstar, Absolutely. but like he's a solid starting X receiver. Uh, and I think if AT Perry turned into a solid starting X receiver, that'd be a huge win because. This Saints offense, it's kind of light, right? Like, I mean, they have Chris Olave, who yeah. I think is a, a super duper star. Um, could be a top. He could he could be a top five receiver in the league in the next couple of years. 
Um, yep. They have like a mishmash of tight ends. Jawan Johnson is really interesting, but they also brought yep. in Foster Moreau from the Raiders days. Mm-hmm. I like Rashid Shahid uh, as a speed slot guy, maybe. Uh, Michael Love Thomas, him. we know he's just – there have been like mixed reviews from camp, camp about how he looked. Like, yeah, of course, he, he didn't look great when he played last year from a separation standpoint. Um, and, and obviously, we know he hasn't had a peak season in quite some time. And the depth behind those dudes is just not great. So Perry has a chance here to really to really shine. And, and along with like a, they have a kind of a deep stable of running backs when Alvin Kamara is off suspension too. So I don't know. There's there's room somewhat for someone here to step up. Like very few teams do you feel like okay they have kind of a light receiver room, but they got depth at tight end and running back. There's not a ton of teams that have like great depth at tight end and great depth at running back um, with like big names at their depth at running back. Uh, but yeah, A.T. Perry's definitely got to watch it the, in the receiver room. I think from an offensive line standpoint, going bringing this back to Derek Carr, that's really good for Carr, right? You want to keep this guy upright. You don't really want him scrambling around. You really don't want him under pressure uh, very often. If there's a big knock against Carr, it's just that he just doesn't do that well against mm-hmm. pressure. Uh, and I think that's a fair criticism. Of car, uh, so yeah, having that 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 nice base in front of him, I think that should play pretty well. But you know, hey, listen, At Perry, you, you talk about if he, if he ends up being Devontae Parker, that's a dub. I mean, yeah, Devontae Parker was a first round pick. I mean, come on, they spent a six round pick on At Perry. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, if they could get a little something something uh, out of Perry there, I, I think that's that's really good because as you mentioned, I think the number two wide receiver spot. Uh, behind Olave is, is relatively wide open. As much as I am intrigued and interested by Shahid, um, he certainly has some limitations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I yeah. don't feel like he's a complete number two receiver. I, I really like the guy. He makes plays. Every single time you, you pop him on, you're like, wait a second, this guy, every single time you're like, this guy's making plays, you know? Uh, but but I think the more you get of him, I think the more muted that will become, right? So yeah. um, if you want, if you kind of want to maintain that like level of explosiveness, I think for Shahid, I think certainly mixing in somebody like A.T. Perry who can give you some more traditional outside X roles, man, I, I think that'd be perfect. That I mean, that would be perfect for the Saints offense for all the reasons that you highlighted as well. But yeah, that number two, that number two receiver spot uh, behind Olave, I think is is absolutely wide open. Um, and so we'll see if A.T. Perry uh, can fill that void. It won't be early. I, I think early on we're not going to yeah. see it, you know, uh, again, rookie wide receiver. But man, check in after week eight. We're, I, I can almost promise you we're going to be talking about A.T. Perry at some point in the second half. Uh, of next season, I, I think I, I think I'm feeling it. You know, I, I'm just feeling like it with it. that offense. Yeah, with the, with the, with his role and, and the guys in front of him, man. So uh, certainly some some stuff to be very intrigued by if you were a Saints fan in 2023. Uh, unlike the Cardinals, I don't think this team is going to be that bad. I think they're going to be pretty good. As a matter of fact, the NFC South obviously wide open as well, man. Yeah, wide open. I think the Saints are widely considered the favorite, mostly because uh, they have the most proven quarterback there. Uh, There's intrigue with Bryce Young, obviously the first overall pick. There's really no intrigue in Tampa. And like, we'll see what, what I'm very high on the Falcons offense, but we don't really know who Desmond Ritter is. So yeah, I think because they have Derek Carr and because really like Chris Olave is, I think one of the transformative young superstars in the league. Like he can be that type of guy. Um, Like, it's, 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 it's aggressive to say he could be Justin Jefferson, but he could be like, 
the next tier down of receivers maybe. Uh, and, and then we're just asking like Derek Carr to be Kirk Cousins, which I think is possible. And like the Vic- and and the Saints are going to have a much better defense than the Vikings did uh, last year. And the Vikings won 13 games. They were really good in close situations, and, and Kirk Cousins was a big part of that. Uh, but you know, can can uh, can Derek Carr be kind of a, a low grade version of that with a better defense? Then the Saints should easily win the NFC South. I don't know that that's how it's going to go, but uh, it's easy to see why they're the favorite in that division. <laughs> and and again, a lot of it is is to Olave into the defense. Did you are you just hoping for Derek Carr to be a low grade version of Kirk Cousins? <laughs> Oh no! Do you know the weird the, the weirdest thing that's happened oh, no. to me over the last like two months, and some of exactly. it honestly is Derek Lassen's Kirk Cousins profile. Yeah, I've like weirdly become a little bit Kirk pilled the last two months, <laughs> and maybe that's just a sign that like the season needs to get here already. Yeah. <laughs> right. Probably is. Right. When right. I'm like, right. man, you know, Kirk Cousins was kind of better than people think last year. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's a, probably a sign that the real games need to get here. Like it needs yeah. to be week one already. We need to have some real football. Uh, we need to have some some new things to talk about. But I do just think Kirk gets a little disrespected. He does. Uh, because no, he does. For sure. He gets a little disrespected because he's boring and he's Kirk Cousins, but also like some of his efficiency metrics were down last year, and it's like oh his yards per attempt is down, such a trade's down. Well, yeah, no kidding, because he wasn't he was like playing in a harder offense, like and you know, really having to drop back more and putting more on Kirk Cousins' plate than mm-hmm. than sort of those uh play action like cut the field in half type uh offenses that Kevin Stefanski and like obviously the boomer Mike Zimmer days uh, were, were, yeah. were dealing with there in Minnesota. So I think that Kirk just, yeah, again, I've gotten a little Kirk pilled over the last two months, which <laughs> is sort of like a take, but also maybe just a sign yeah. like, yeah, it's, it, maybe it's time for the regular season to actually just get here. Uh, two traits that I love in football players. Um, one, you guys already know the wide receivers. I love contested catch guys. Love them. I, I just, I can't get away from them. It's like, that's like my thing, right? Like I love watching that and, and I, and I dig it. I, I give bonus points for guys who are good in contested catch. All right. But for quarterbacks, it's the guys that can stand in the pocket and just get drilled and still lay one out for their receivers. Like to me, nothing gets me off my couch faster than when I see that man. Like I love it. Um, And Kirk, that's what Kirk's got. He is, he's got bravery for days. Oh my God. Standing in the pocket, just getting shelled and just laying one out for his receivers. I I think it's, I think that's awesome, man. Um, By the way, that is exactly what Derek Carr does not have. You know what I mean? He cannot stand in there or won't do it very often, man. He just won't stay in the pocket and get drilled and, and still lay one out. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, at this point in career, in his career, I don't think we're going to see much of a difference. But um, he can. I say that also saying his ceiling is higher than Kirk Cousins. You know, he's got he has better arm strength. He's got more arm talent. He can make throws, man. Like this guy can do it all um, from an arm perspective. Now, can he do it from a mental processing perspective? And again, just from a physicality standpoint, uh, because I think he's been shook ever since he broke his leg. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that will certainly be the stra- straw that stirs the Saints drink upcoming in 2023. Uh, but there you go. That's our show. Uh, good talk on the Saints. Good talk on Jalen Hyatt and stuff on Hollywood Brown as well. All right. So there you go, man. Um, if you guys would like, go check out the website, receptionperception.com. We've got profiles coming in fast and furious now as the season fast approaches. Uh, and again, if you want to read some of those profiles too, 
um get into those stats man we got we got them stats you know go check those stats out it's very interesting stuff and I, I, to me personally i think you could spend a lot of time uh on some of these um you know stats and charts and all those things that uh, that we take a, a a long look at as part of the reception perception team all right so there you go for matt Harmon, i'm james co we are out of here we'll see you in a couple of days and remember you're never too old and it's never too late to chase your dreams all right see you